This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Here we are. Here we are again. We're live here with Fantasy Intervention. Welcome on into the circle, of course. And I got some great, great news for you guys. I am not an injury expert. In fact, I don't even know where you find your ACL. I have no clue where an ACL is. I think it's in your shoulder or something. So I had to bring in somebody that did know, right? Had to bring in the real Adam H. The real Adam H. You can find him over there at, or on Twitter at the real Adam H, I guess the real Adam underscore H on Twitter over there. So yeah, go check him out guys. But I brought him on with me tonight because man, we need to figure out what's going on in the NFL. We need to figure out what's going on with all these injuries. And you know, is it good news? Is it bad news? What is going on? So what's up, Adam? How you doing, man? Hey Chase. Hey man. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, excited to be here again. Uh, we had a, we had a good show Sunday. I'll try not to jinx anyone else. I know we had, we talked about a couple players on Sunday that unfortunately got bit by the injury bug, but, uh, that's why I'm here. We're going to break down some of that. Absolutely. And I'm excited to do this guys because I, I don't know. I don't know myself what to expect, right? I can listen to, you know, TV and I can listen to all this hopeful type, you know, I guess coach speak to an extent, but we need to know the real facts. We need to know the, the real insight. So Adam is here to provide that for us. Now, going into this week, right? We have, I don't even know, how many total injuries was it? At least 25, right? I, I lost count after a while. My head was spinning on Sunday, man. There were so many injuries. People were texting me and tweeting me. It was, there was a lot going on. It was so many injuries. And, you know, some of them are torn ACLs. We already have the, you know, the facts out for them. We already know they're going to miss the season. But some of these other guys, like Devontae Adams, for example, you know, he, he was on the injury designation, right? So we're going to break down some of these guys. We're going to tell, tell you guys whether you have to worry about them, whether you guys should drop them, hold them, whatever the case is. And then after that, we are actually going to go into the waiver wire show and talk about some of these pickups that, that we're checking out all across the waivers. So let's go ahead and start out with the 49ers because they were probably one of the most destroyed, destroyed teams out there. I mean, it was brutal, right? They lost Nick Bosa. Yeah. They lost Solomon Thomas. But what we care about, because it's fantasy, more often than not, is the offense. So we have Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He couldn't play in the second half. Nick Mullins came in. Are we expecting to see Jimmy Garoppolo come back week three, week four? What are we looking at with Jimmy Garoppolo? He hurt his ankle, I believe. Yep. So Jimmy Garoppolo had a high ankle sprain, and this, this isn't going to be the first time that we talk about a uh, high ankle sprain on this show. <laughs> it's a little bit different for quarterbacks. Um, I'm not as worried. So Jimmy Garoppolo hurt his his ankle early in the first half. He tried to play through it. Um, probably flared it up a little bit, which is common with with high ankle sprains. Uh, the ankle you can you can irritate it pretty easily once once you've uh, injured it. So he was able to come back in the second half, but for quarterbacks, I'm not really that worried uh, for a high ankle sprain as compared to someone like a skill position player, a wide receiver, such as Michael Thomas or the running back position Um, quarterback isn't as demanding for that high ankle sprain. So I think there's a decent chance he could be back week three. I wouldn't expect this to be a a multi-week injury though for Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you have him, that's good news. Yeah, I mean, a high ankle sprain is, you know, essentially, what is a high ankle sprain, actually? Let me have you explain what a high ankle sprain is real quick. Yeah, so this is where I wish I had, like, a, a model to kind of demonstrate what, what's just going on. Just use your own Basically, leg. Just throw your leg up there, right? Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not even that flexible. See, I'm going to pull a hamstring on the show, and then I'm going to be out for the season, and then we're going to have a problem. Um, no, so basically where your shin bone articulates with your ankle bone, there's some ligaments there that hold the ankle and provide some stability. And when you put maximal maximum torsional fo- forces on those ligaments, you create a micro tear 
and it comes up the ankle, depending on how severe that is, is how high up the ankle it comes. Thus, I, the, 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 you get the terminology of the high ankle sprain, but, um, it's, it's a very uncomfortable injury, um, which is why we see players that get it miss multiple weeks. Um, but it's something that definitely doesn't feel great and can hinder your performance. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the biggest thing with like the high ankle sprains, right, is like you mentioned with skill position players, you know, they got to cut on it. They got to put a lot of weight on it. And it's very, very painful. Uh, just go ask Alma Kamara from last year. Go ask Saquon Barkley from last year. Like, dude, it was they were bad and they came back too early. Typically, the timetable mm-hmm. for this is what, six to eight weeks, right? For at least a skill position player. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much you want to dive into this without let's just, let's just go to Christian McCaffrey next because he's the other player that we were talking about with with the high ankle sprain and kind of talk about some of that stuff. So I I, I think, yeah, yeah. Look (laughs) at that. We're, we're gelling already. Um, I think with, the high ankle sprain. Yeah. It, it can be about a four to six week injury is usually what, what, what I see. Um, I t- spent a little bit of time on this this morning talking about specifically Christian McCaffrey. Cause I looked at high ankle sprains for running backs, because like you said, it's, it, they need to be able to cut and push off of it. I think, um, from the data that I've looked at for running backs, the average time that those players have missed with a high ankle sprain dating back to 2010 is somewhere around 3.6 games. Okay. So about four games, somewhere between three to four weeks is what they, what they seem to miss Um, specifically in terms of running back production pre-injury compared to post-injury. I think on average, they, in PPR scoring leagues, they average about three and a half points less plus or minus six standard deviation there. So that gives you some idea of what you can expect from Christian McCaffrey. I talked about, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back after three to four weeks. I think he's pretty determined to the Panthers just paid him a lot of money. They want him back obviously. (laughs) And then I talked about what you can expect in terms of fantasy production from Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he has that RB one upside that you drafted him for. Yeah. But I think RB five to RB 10 is certainly within his range of outcomes. He was averaging 20 over 26 points a game prior to this injury. So if we take away, you know, three to 10 points, you're looking at, you know, RB seven, eight, nine on a, on a points per game basis. So, but, but you're thinking three to four weeks. Cause I think Saquon last year did three weeks. I think Kamara sat out for closer to five weeks. If I remember correctly. Uh, I, I don't have Come the numbers. I had for three weeks. Okay, three I weeks for three weeks for for oh, two weeks actually. Two weeks Last for year? the for the high ankle sprain. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So th- that's where that's where I think they came out with the timetable and they said four to six weeks and you know. It, depending on if you're a glass half full, half empty person, you're looking at that and going, Oh my God, I might not have Christian McCaffrey for six weeks. Me, the data that I'm looking at for, for running backs, I think three to four weeks is reasonable for him. Yeah. And, and honestly, like even when he did come back though, I mean, Alvin Kamara, that is, I, I mm-hmm. don't believe he produced. I think he had like one RB one finish up until he was about eight weeks away from the original injury itself. So you obviously just saw, I think it was a downtick in usage. It was a downtick in, in, you know, production as well and efficiency. So yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a Chris McCaffrey owner in redraft leagues, but it's a painful, painful injury. So let's go ahead and, and hop on to a next, a next guy that we want to talk about. And that was Sterling Shepard, who was actually ruled out previous to this uh, due to a toe injury. Do you have any information on the yep. Sterling Shepard injury? So I'm a Bears fan, so I watched a lot of that game, and I saw it immediately. I saw what the trainers were doing with his big toe on the sideline, and I was like, that's turf toe. That's textbook turf toe, what they're doing with that. Um, so we talked. We might have talked about this on, on Sunday in terms of Philip Lindsay. Similar outlook for Sterling Shepard. Um, wide receiver definitely, especially the, the, the caliber of Sterling Shepard's, needs to be able to push off of that big toe to generate force and burst up the field, make cuts in, in his route tree. Um, so I think we're looking around five to six weeks on average for, for a turf toe injury, something that Sterling Shepard could be looking at. Could be longer. They're tough. It's a small ligament in your foot. Like I said, it, it's an uncomfortable injury. And if the athlete does not feel confident pushing off of his big toe. He's, he's not going to play. He's not going to be able to do what he needs to do. So five to six weeks, you know, range says it could be potentially eight weeks. I think that's more on the serious side. It will just kind of depend on, on how he progresses. Yeah, man, that blows. 
because obviously mm. Sterling Shepard was thought to be one of the prime options in this offense outside of Saquon Barkley, of course. All right, so we have a couple other things going on, especially like, you know, some mysteries, right? Like there was a huge, huge mystery that happened this past weekend where the, the report didn't even come out until 30 minutes after the game started that Tyrod Taylor was going to sit. Right. So he, he yeah. suffered a chest injury. I believe it was something to do with an infection. And then Justin Herbert played and actually looked really good. But what's the deal with Tyrod Taylor? Now they're saying that he can miss more time. Yeah, this is one that I, I don't have a really good feel for because of the vague nature of the reports. You know, some of these games, I was able to go back and look at video of when the player got hurt. We obviously don't have that with Tyrod Taylor. It sounds like he aggravated it in warmups. Um I don't know if it was, you know, like a, a stern sternum rib injury. I don't know if it was, you know, he had to go to the hospital. So I don't know if it's something more serious, cardiovascular or whatnot. Um, something was said about bleeding to, or something like that. I don't even know. Yeah. It, it's uh it's one of those where it's potentially not a, a musculoskeletal injury, which would then be kind of outside of my realm and um, outside of my scope. So I, I, I wouldn't be, have a, have a great feel of that one, but I think the practice report is going to be very telling. Obviously if Tyrod's practicing this week, then he's over whatever is going on. If he's not, then I think we could see Justin Herbert round two. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. So, Let's talk about Paris Campbell, one of the guys that you jinxed on our Sunday morning show. You know, what what are your thoughts on Paris Campbell? What's the update on him? Because I didn't even see. I saw something about an MCL. Is he out or is he? It's saying oh, a low man. chance you're, to return this season. Yeah, you're gonna put me in a bad mood on a on a Tuesday here. <laughs> uh, Paris Campbell is my boy. I'm a big Paris, Paris Campbell stan. I'm sure people listening to the show Sunday were sick of me talking about Paris Campbell all day, and then there I go. I jinxed him. I uh, had him in every single league and, and lost him. So when Paris Campbell originally had that injury, based on video, I was looking at it and I thought, oh. That's probably MCL, maybe potential for ACL. It's a big deal there. When the team came out on Sunday and said that he didn't tear his ACL, I was optimistic. For an MCL sprain, it's a you know, bigger, thicker ligament, not as important to the uh, integrity of the knee for, for what you need to do. That's usually about a two- to four-week injury. Recent reports coming out now are that it's an MCL and a PCL. Okay, so the right, PCL... She had that happen to me. Yeah. So the PCL is the ligament behind the ACL and the knee. It's actually very important. You typically don't see surgery with it unless it's fully torn. It's, it's a difficult injury to rehab based on that information. The Colts came out and said he's out indefinitely and there's no timetable. And I've had a lot of people ask me, well, what does that mean? And I say, that means it's pretty serious yeah. in my opinion. So with he's PCL, droppable. Yeah. He, he's somebody PCL, that might not even make it back this season. Yeah. With a PCL injury, I think that's like a roughly 10 week injury. So if you have an IR spot and you want to stash him, I think there's a chance he comes back. Um, but you know, if you're somebody that's got like Debo Samuel on your IR and you're kind of holding that and you need to cut and you need to add somebody, I think Paris Campbell is droppable based on that information. Yeah. You can always go back and pick him up and, you know, like five, six weeks, just in case, you know, there, there's that kind of situation. So I think that he's droppable anyways. I don't think that he was ever going to be like, you know, a wide receiver one. So I'm not really too nervous when it comes to dropping. Now I want to hop back over this 49ers game real quick. Um, we have Raheem Mostert over there that got hurt. Uh, along with, uh, who was it, Tevin Coleman, right? Yep. So what's going on with them? How long are they going to be out for? So with Raheem Mostert, we have definitely that's MCL. Um, I think it's possible he ends up on the IR because that's usually, like I said, a two- to four-week injury. It will kind of depend. If they don't put him on IR, then they're probably thinking he could come back by week two. Um, if I mean, I'm sorry, in, in two weeks, if they do put him on IR, then I would think it would be a three to four week injury. Um, Tevin Coleman, another one of these vague reports expected to be out uh, multiple weeks with it, with a knee injury. I would guess it's similar to, to what, um, Raheem Mostert is dealing with in terms of like an MCL sprain or something in the, in the knee. I didn't see definitively what they were saying about Tevin Coleman, but based on that information, I think, um, 
Jared McKinnon's the dude now. Jared McKinnon, it's jet season, baby. Will Harris, if you're listening right now, it is jet season. Jared McKinnon season, let's do this. Man, I have Jared McKinnon everywhere. He was one of the best options to pick up because he was going to be the third down back. The reports coming out of camp were very similar to how Cooper Cup was getting hyped, you know, last year, saying that he looks faster, you know, he looks, you know, more physically dominant. And that's what that was leading up to, to of course, what happened with, with Jet. So I love Jared McKinnon here. And you guys are gonna find out who else I'm looking to pick up off the way wires here in a little bit uh, because of these injuries so love it let's go ahead and hop on to our next guy drew lock drew lock obviously he lost his main receiver Cortland sutton which is a huge blow i love Cortland sutton but what's going on with drew lock so i'm actually encouraged with with the reports that i've gotten off of drew lock originally they thought or i saw there was speculation that was an ac joint sprain which can be an irritating injury for an overhead athlete but it sounds like he's got more of like a, a rotator cuff strain um doesn't sound overly serious i think it's something that once the inflammation calms down and they get you know some physical therapy in there some rehab he could come back two to three weeks um i think if you have drew lock and some deep Deeper leagues or like a super flex league, he's certainly worth you know stashing and holding on to because even though they signed Blake Bortles today, I think that was a depth that piece behind Jeff Driscoll. Yep. I wouldn't be discouraged by that. Um, I would hold on to Drew Lock. I think he could be back sooner than later. Shout out to Linda over there who is a huge Driscoll lover. She posts his ass all over Twitter. I cannot get it off my feed. All right, I so did see that. you did. Yeah, Linda's all about yeah. it. All right. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, this is a defensive question because of the fact that you can pass on Miami, right? And the one position that you can't pass on them is actually with the outside receiver with Byron Jones. He was, you know, shutting down everybody. He did it with the Cowboys with a bunch of star receivers. He was doing it again this year. However, he's out now, right? And he's doubtful to play in week three, but what's going on with him? I actually did not see the Byron. Do you have a like? Did they come out with a diagnosis in it terms of what was going on? It said that he had a on? groin injury, but unfortunately, with Roto World, you know, not having their app up, I did not get any recent updates. But if you don't okay. know that one, we can move on no, to the no, shot no. here. So, so I, I just found it right here. Uh, groin injury. Um, so that's that reminds me a little bit of like what we saw with David Montgomery in terms of his timeline where he suffered that injury before the season. There was speculation whether he wouldn't be ready for, yeah. for the start of the season. So for Byron Jones, that's usually groin injury, soft tissue, somewhere between two, four, six weeks, maybe depending on the severity of it. I would be surprised if it was a big enough injury that they're reporting and holding him out of practice this week. I'd be surprised if he plays. Yeah, I mean, guys, you got to keep in mind, right, with this season and the, the injuries that arise, if a player doesn't feel 100%, they're not going to throw them in there. You know, we've had players in the past that feel 75%, 80% good, and the coaches throw them in there because they're conditioned for football. But if that happened, or if a player's hurt this year, even slightly, they're not going to take the risk of re-aggravating this injury because these players haven't had time to ramp up and get into football shape. So keep that in mind. We got Bashad Berryman. Let's go ahead and b- bounce over to him. Mm-hmm. And he's got an ankle injury, right? Yep. Um, I went and tried to see some video to see if I could figure out what was going on with Rashad Perriman. I, I wasn't able to track down that that video. Sounds like it's an ankle sprain. If they haven't reported that it was a high ankle sprain at this point, I would be optimistic. It's possible that he just kind of tweaked it with a simple inversion ankle sprain, which is which is good depending on the severity of it. Um, this week will be very telling. You know, if he doesn't practice this week, I wouldn't expect him to play. If he doesn't end up on, you know, IR, what's great about the IR this year is it being reduced to just the three weeks. Yeah, you can kind of get huge. an idea of, of what, how serious the injury is. So if it's a minor tweak um, and he doesn't end up on IR, you know, one to two week injury, possibly if it's more severe and they put them on IR, then you're looking at that three to six week mark. And I believe when you're on the IR, you can actually still practice as well. Uh, typically in previous years, IR was a minimum of six or eight weeks. Six. six, six right? Yeah, six. Yep. So you had three weeks at which you could practice, um, you know, prior to before you actually came off the IR. So here's the deal, guys. 
we have a lot of different, you know, situations going on right now with the season. And I'm going to jump into waivers now. And one of the biggest things that we're looking at with these waiver wire claims is, you know, who are we going to play this week? Who can play right away? And we normally use that little green number, that little green number in the bottom corner that signifies how good of a matchup they have, right? Like it's, it's something that a lot of us go by, especially when we stream quarterbacks. However, to do it at the start of the season, that's not ideal because we have, for example, the Washington football team, right? Who, dude, they, they destroyed. They destroyed the Eagles on defense. And I believe they were like probably in the top three, if not one overall, up against the quarterback following week one. But after Kyler Murray pulled some insane magic out of his ass and knocked down 67 yards on the ground and two touchdowns on eight carries, all of a sudden Washington is now 28th up against the quarterback. You know, he did have some some passing yards as well, but it was overall kind of like pedestrian, right? Like it wasn't over the top. We've got 26 for 38 for 286 yards, one touchdown, one interception, three sacks. Right? Like that's that's a stat line that you'd probably see from Daniel Jones or something like that. That's not, you know, top 5 quarterback type production. So you have to take into, you know, context where these guys rank up and why they're, you know, why they're ranking where they are this early in the season, right? Like I'm not this this might be a hot take by the way. This might be a hot take, but here it goes. Here goes nothing. But I don't think that Baker Mayfield up against Washington this week is going to run for 67 yards and two touchdowns. Like, do you <laughs> see that happening? Hot take. Hot take. Oh, God. I, yeah. I got to check. I got to see. I got to leave off my show sheet and see how many <laughs> listeners I just lost by saying that Baker Mayfield will not have 67 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, we lost everybody. Everybody's gone. No, I'm just kidding. No, we still got everybody's still here. Thank God. It wasn't too hot of a take. But no, I mean, that's not going to happen. So there's no chance in hell I'm going to start Baker Mayfield this week and try and stream him, although it says 28, you know, right next to the defensive ranking up against the quarterback for Washington, at least on ESPN, it has it that way. Now, we saw, we saw constant pressure, constant pressure on, on Carson Wentz, right? And, and Washington was able to bring it time and time again. So no matter how good Baker Mayfield looked up against Cincinnati, who really couldn't put any pressure on Baker Mayfield, even though they didn't have tackle Jack Conklin in there, like I'm not starting them. So you got to take it into to context when you're looking at those little, you know, red, yellow, green, blue, whatever color those things are. So, yeah, just take into context what happened before you guys just run out and try and grab one of these waiver wire picks. Now, I'm personally a guy that likes stream QBs. Adam, do you ever stream QBs? Like, do you draft quarterbacks high or do you stream them? I'm a streamer, baby, all day. I, I love to stream, man. Streaming is so much fun. Like, and, it's, and it's, what, it's all the rage. It's God. what everyone's doing, all the cool kids. All the cool kids are doing it. Now, some people can't do it because they got real jobs and stuff, and they can't just sit here and talk fantasy all day. But for those of you that can and that are probably listening to me right now, you like to stream quarterbacks. So I do have a guy that's following this quarterback. But if you don't like to take a, take a chance on rookies, then I think this is the quarterback to stream this week, and I'm locked in on him. I'm locked in on this dude. Mitchell Trubisky up against Atlanta. God, yes. I love this. I love Mitchell Trubisky up against Atlanta. I mean, I know Atlanta went up against Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. That's probably why they're, you know, 32nd ranked up against the quarterback. But you like Trubisky this week? Yeah, I mean, I think based on the matchup, I, I like I uh, admitted earlier in the show, shamefully, I'm a, I'm a Bears fan and it's been tough sledding watching Mitchell Trubisky the past couple of years. But um, the way people have been able to pass on Atlanta, you've seen Russ, he cooked on him week one. Dak obviously had a great week, week two. Um, so juicy. I think it's hard. Yeah, I, I think it's hard not to like Mitchell Trubisky. It, if, if he messes it up, I don't, I don't know what to say. I love it, man. Did you see that pass that, that Anthony Miller dropped in the end zone that would have had us talking completely different about Mitchell Trubisky this week? No, I was too sad crying about Paris Campbell. Oh, man. <laughs> I was in the corner. <laughs> all right. So here's the, uh, the quarterback that I'm looking at. All right. And this is a guy that could actually go out there and earn a starting job no matter what the coach says. I think that this quarterback could go out there and get a starting job this week, right? We got Justin Herbert who melted faces, right? He had 311 passing yards. He had a touchdown. He had 18 rushing yards with a touchdown as well. And he's up against Carolina. Carolina, baby. God, I love that. Now, Tyrod Taylor, he's not a lock to miss next week, but they said that there's a good chance that he does. 
So are you on to Justin Herbert? Do you, do you feel good about Justin Herbert? Do you feel good about his potential to start this week? Um, it was, it was tough not to watch that game against Kansas city and not like what Justin Herbert was doing. I thought he locked, he worked, he looked really good. He throws a pretty ball. Too. He does. I mean, so you pretty. watch him and it, it's a tight spiral. It, it was nice to watch. Um, I think, you know, like I said, if Tyrod Taylor's not practicing this week, then I think you got to, I, I can get excited about Justin Herbert, especially against the Carolina defense. And honestly, if Tyrod plays, then I probably might be streaming Tyrod in some leagues too, just based on this matchup alone. This was Ty, this was uh, Anthony Lynn on Sunday after the game. Tyrod Taylor is our starter. Walks off the press box, right? He walks in the back locker room and he's like, fuck, what did I just say? Why the hell would I just say that? I'm an idiot. So now they're trying to push, you know, they're trying to be like, hey, Tyrod, dude, just, just take another week off. Just take another week off. Make sure you feel good. We don't want to rush you out there, buddy. Just, just make sure you feel good before you go out there. You know, they're trying to get Justin Herbert in there. Now, obviously, it's a little bit of a different, you know, uh, I guess, situation when you're able to watch game film on somebody, you know, and you're able to kind of adjust versus not seeing Justin Herbert and how he was going to interact in this offense. But, mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't game plan for Justin Herbert to play. So they didn't know which tools to utilize with them. They, the play calling had to switch up you know, somewhat, but it probably still was scripted the way that Tyrod Taylor would have been in the game versus Justin Herbert. And we don't know if it's going to be any different next week, but at least Justin Herbert gets a week with this offense. And up against Carolina, could you ask for a better matchup outside of Atlanta who we just talked about? Yeah, no, I agree. I think you nailed it right there. All right. All right. So while we're sitting there and we're talking about the Chargers, Right, I want to bring up another guy, and excuse me, Adam, because I'm not yelling at you, but I'm going to yell at some of my listeners real quick. What the hell are you guys thinking? Like, seriously, I have been talking about Josh Kelly now since before the draft, and then he went to the Chargers, which is right down the street from his house, from UCLA, where you know Anthony Lynn was hearing the chants for him throughout the games, right, during practice on Saturdays. You know you know that Joshua Kelly was going to smash this year. I told you guys. He was going to play the Melvin Gordon role, and he could have played even better than Melvin Gordon actually does because Melvin Gordon couldn't get into the damn end zone half the time. I'm telling you guys, Joshua Kelly is going to crush it, and if you did not pick him up already, good luck getting him now because he's going to be super expensive. I have him in almost every single league, and you guys should have too. So I understand. I understand that Joshua Kelly is not the focal point of this offense, but he did have more touches. He had five more touches than Austin Eckler did this week. Five. And he was involved in the passing game with Justin Herbert. Tyrod Taylor was not passing the running backs. He targeted the running backs one time. All the running backs. One time in week one. We see Justin Herbert come in there. All of a sudden he's targeted what? I think it was over 10 times the running back position was targeted. I love Joshua Kelly, especially if Justin Herbert is a starter down there. And even if Tyrod does come back, he will still have a role in the game, especially, especially in the red zone. Woosa. Woosa. Feel better? I feel better. I feel better. <laughs> you know, I knew when you asked me to be on the show that we were going to connect. I'm so happy that you like Joshua Kelly. That was my dude in the third round of every rookie draft in my dynasty leagues. Joshua Kelly was my boy. I was getting him everywhere. I love, love Joshua Kelly. Dude, Joshua Kelly, man. Whew, he is going to be a lock. And the thing is, is he's not like, I don't ever see him as RB1. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be an RB1. He might have one lucky year where he gets in, you know, 15 touchdowns or something outrageous, right? But he will always consistently be an RB2 because he will always have that role. And for the price that you were getting him in, I mean, I got him in the third round of a rookie draft. The third round, Joshua Kelly failed to be. Like, how Can't are you guys going to let that happen? He is so, so good. He's like a smaller, faster version of Royce Freeman. You know that he's going to be involved in that offense. He's going to get it. And Royce Freeman went for like the third pick in the first round when, when it was his rookie drafts. You got him so cheap. You got him in the third rounds. You need, or late second at least. But yeah, no. Joshua Kelly is a lock. If he's on your free agent uh, waiver claims, go claim him. If you have to put up fab for him, I'm putting up more fab for him than I am for this other running back. Frank Gore, which is weird, or let's see, Devontae Freeman, right? Like Frank Gorman's up 17% right now. Why is Frank Gore up 17%? He's the ageless wonder, man. It's, it's, I think it's a nostalgia value. You know, you picture yourself back in 2008 drafting Frank Gore early, and then it's just like, it, 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 it's a comfort thing. You know what you love, you go and get Frank Gore. But, but, but Frank Gore had 67 yards rushing this, this week, right? Or this past week. 67 yards. 
And I don't care if Le'Veon Bell's out. If you look at his schedule, we got Indy, which ha now has DeForest Buckner and has proven to be kind of hard to run against. We've got Denver. We've got Arizona, which is, you know, all right. The Chargers, iffy. But then you have Buffalo, Kansas City, New England. Like, that's not a good schedule. I just don't understand the Frank Gore love. And honestly, like, I'd rather take LaMichael P. Ryan as a guy that could actually pop up against Arizona or possibly pop up up against, you know, Miami a little bit later in the season. Uh, I'm not going out and grabbing him right now, but it's it's just a thought in the back of my head that I want to make sure that I keep an idea of LaMichael P. Ryan possibly being a roster option. It just no, doesn't make sense to me with, with Frank Gore. It doesn't make sense. No, I agree. I think, you know, you're probably, unless you're, you know, unless you had both Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley as your starting running backs, you're probably never going to play Frank Gore. So why not shoot for the upside, get somebody on your bench that could potentially be a league winner, like you were talking about with, you know, LaMichael P. Ryan and Joshua Kelly and, you know, a couple weeks ago, or even in your drafts, you should have been drafting like guys like Jarek McKinnon that have that upside that, you know, you're, you're swinging for the fences. That's what I'm talking about. I love Jarek McKinnon. All right. I was actually going to talk about Devontae Freeman, but since you brought Jarek McKinnon up, Jarrett McKinnon is the top end dude in this offense. Uh, he is the starting running back. He's going to receive passes. He's going to get the runs. But I do want to bring up Jeffrey Wilson Jr. as a waiver wire pickup and Jamichael Hasty. Right. Coleman and Mostert both down. Mostert, you were talking about commits, what, two weeks? It's possible, but we don't know what's going to happen yet. And Mostert has dealt with injuries in the past. Same thing with Tevin Coleman. Right. These guys have both proven to be somewhat injury prone. Now, Wilson is the goal line back, at least. At least he's the goal line back, even with, with McKinnon there. Uh, he saw, whenever he saw a 20% snap share, which happened two times last season, uh, weeks two and three, he had a total of four touchdowns in those games. And all he saw was a 20% snap share. Both of those weeks, he finished out as a top 20 running back. So he's going to get his opportunity again this week, especially in the red zone. But I think Jeffrey Wilson could be a smash. Could be a smash. No, yeah, I uh, I like Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, it seems like he's always vulturing touchdowns, right? Always. I mean, every time he comes in. Um, so I think that's a that's an interesting upside play as well. I I don't hate that. And then Jamichael Hasty, if you want to get a little bit saucy, right? And you think that you know maybe McKinnon doesn't actually handle that early down work, and maybe Jeffrey Wilson just isn't you know your cup of tea because he's slow. He's not fast. He's just a big physical guy. Jamichael Hasty's interesting there too. Uh, I, if you want to throw a dollar on him because you had a bunch of injuries happen, I, I wouldn't hate it. You know, but don't go out there and try and get Jamichael Hasty for ten percent. You know, he'll be cheaper than that. He's going to yeah. be the third option in this offense, in my opinion. But it is an option for deeper leagues. Now, let's go ahead and pop on to Devonta Freeman because I don't get it. It's, this, it's blowing my mind. Um, it, why do people think he's going to be a thing? I mean, we talked about how you need a ramp-up period, right, in order to condition your body to get in football shape. Being in shape is not in football shape. That is two completely different things. I don't care if he was working on the offseason. I don't care if he looks uh, more fabulous than, than Le'Veon Bell. You know, <laughs> this guy has to be in football shape. And we, we actually just saw what happened to Le'Veon Bell. And I didn't even mean to, to go that route. But to be honest with you, I mean, he hasn't played a full season in three years, right? And, and if he goes in there and gets touches right away, there's a good chance that he gets injured again. If he goes in there and they wait to ramp him up and they give him, you know, four weeks with limited upside touches, when do you feel safe playing him? It just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't love Devontae Freeman. Dude, we're sitting there in the chat on Twitter and we're talking about how much you would put up, you know, of your fab for, for uh, Devontae Freeman. And people are in there saying 25%, 30%. So that's like $30 a fab when you have 100 Like, that's nuts. That's nuts mm -hmm. to me. I, I don't see the upside. He's not going to give you immediate production. There's injury risk, like huge injury risk, not just a little one, a huge injury risk. And he doesn't even know the playbook. Like, are you like, do you like Devontae Freeman? How are you feeling? No, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And then I would add on to that. Like the Giants are bad and their offensive line is bad. And Saquon Barkley struggled running the ball behind that offensive line. The only way that he was getting a lot of points, especially in week one was on the receiving end. Yeah. So you've got Devonta Freeman that I think, like you said, is, is going to need that ramp up period. But I think his upside is severely capped because they like Deion Lewis in that yeah. third down role. I, Deion you know Lewis I mean? just so, got signed. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and Deion Lewis was playing, you know, a lot of those snaps. I, I think this week, 
Probably even next week, we don't see a lot of Devonta Freeman. I think he's slowly phased in there. He's one of those players that I think is a sneaky, like, bad person to roster. Like, you <laughs> you want somebody in your league to add Devonta Freeman because he yeah. just burns a roster it's spot on like their LaShawn bench McCoy and he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Three years ago. You, you, yeah. His last year with the if Bills. You, yeah. I had Devonta Freeman in a league and then I I dropped him last week and I was kind of tilting, but I was like, you know what? That's going to just blow up somebody's bench. Someone's going to pay a lot of money for Devonta Freeman this week. They're going to let them stink it up on their bench. I'm okay I, with that. I, I I'm, can't wait. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of that. I might throw five fab on him, but there's no way five is going to get it. Somebody's going to no. overpay for him and, and let somebody else get them on their roster. Let somebody else blow up their upside guys like that. Don't mess around. Don't mess around and play with Devontae Freeman. He is literally, I mean, there's going to be nothing there. There's going to be nothing there. All right. He might have one or two good games, but you're never going to know when to play him, in my opinion. Now, on to, where's my show sheet? Oh, I I do want to bring up Wayne Gallman real quick. Because I think Wayne Gallman is actually a sneaky play. You know, Deion Lewis, he's probably going to be the guy that most people throw their fab out to, right? Deion Lewis is going to be a huge, huge pickup this week, which honestly, the Barkley owner should have already had this handcuff. He should have. But if he didn't, and Deion Lewis is out there, Deion Lewis is at least going to be the third down back minimum. Minimum. And he has the upside to be the starting running back. Now, I don't want to go out there and, and throw you know, 25 fab dollars towards him because there's a huge risk that you're taking with him not being the lead, you know, the, the lead back. And that becomes extremely volatile of, of when you can play him and when you can't play him. But he's not bad. He's not a bad pickup. Now, Wayne Gallman, on the other hand, you might be able to get him for free. And we could see him actually produce over this next two or three weeks while they get Devontae Freeman in football shape and get him ready to play. So I think out of all three of these guys, when we talk about Devontae Freeman, we talk about Deion Lewis, we talk about Wayne Gallman. I think I'd rather have Wayne Gallman for his price. That, that's interesting. I, I dabbled in the, the Wayne Gallman sweepstakes last year, and I was kind of disappointed. I think he had one big game, but it wasn't anything to like write home about. I'd be, I'd be interested because I think this is a good question. How would you rank? the Giants running backs rest of season. If you, regardless of price, like if you had to rank them, how would you rank them? One, two, three, Deion Lewis, Freeman, Gallman. How would you rank those guys? Probably go Deion Lewis significantly over the other two, but Wayne Gallman would probably be like close to second. And then Devontae Freeman just has too much risk. So although he might have the upside, I just don't see the risk. He might see the volume, but is he going to be yeah. overly efficient because he wasn't efficient with Atlanta? I, mm. I, I, I like, um, I like Wayne Gallman more than I like, Devontae Freeman. I think that's fair. I, and I, that's the big one is that I would definitely put Deion Lewis one too. I think I would probably put Devonta Freeman. Uh, I mean, Deion Lewis one, and I put Devonta Freeman two just because I'm not really wowed with, with Wayne Gallman, but Are they close, I, I though? think it's a dart. Uh, probably. I, I think your point about it is right. Wayne Gallman's going to be a lot cheaper than Devonta Freeman. For yeah. sure. I'd just rather so, take the, the shot on him and, and get some, you know, two or three weeks worth of production if I need it, and then wait yeah. for somebody else to get injured and go, go after them. Yeah, you know? I think in, in, a, in an ideal world, I'd rather have Freeman over that, but not for his price tag. I'd rather have Goldman for his price tag. I think that's a good point. All right. All right. We're making progress here. We're taking Wayne Goldman for his price tag over Devonta Freeman. You heard, you heard it here first. All right. So... I do want to mention, but I'm not going to divulge in this because it was kind of a, a negative you know, situation over there and, and sensitive topic right now. But uh, I do think that the Patriots, uh, Rex Burkhead, is going to be the lead running back after seeing 51 snaps this past week. Uh, thoughts and prayers are out to, the, to James White and his family. A horrible, horrible, tragic accident, and I don't really want to dive too much into that. So I'm going to bounce now over to Mike Davis. Mike Davis, in my opinion, is the guy to own in Carolina. Right. He's the guy that, that he's the only other back that actually had touches first off. And then you have Trenton Cannon back there, who's the third running back. And he deserves a look because I think that they could use him in the passing game. But this dude is really undersized. He's like 185 pounds, like five, what, five, eight or something like that. But he's super athletic and he actually could provide those big plays. And Carolina's going to be losing a lot. Now, I am a little bit concerned. I'm a little bit concerned about his, you know, his usage and the other receivers in this passing game and them not utilizing him like that. But, I mean, somebody's got to take over for that CMC pass catching role. Now, who I think it's actually going to be, and this is a long shot because he's a wide receiver, but Curtis Samuel, who, you know, play, like he actually does run the ball a few times each game. I think that he could actually become a running back and they could utilize him there. 
I mean, he's not really panning out as a receiver to an extent. So I'm not saying every single play, but maybe on third downs, Curtis Samuel actually becomes, you know, that running back, very similar to what happened with David Montgomery, or not David Montgomery, I'm sorry, Ty Montgomery, you know, over there with Green Bay. So if if Curtis Samuel is out there, I really like Curtis Samuel, but I think Mike Davis is the guy to own for the running back, uh, for the running back crew. I think we just had that stepbrothers moment where it's like, do we just become best friends? We yep. just become best friends. Dude, I was going to say the exact same thing about Curtis Samuel. I think Mike Davis is interesting just from a, a volume perspective for sure. But the one that I'm most intrigued about sneaky play is Curtis Samuel. That's the role he played at Ohio state. That kind of hybrid running back wide receiver operates close to the line of scrimmage. People, the stat I always saw about uh, Curtis Samuel last year was the unrealized air yards. You know, it was a deep threat, but he wasn't ever getting capitalized on that. I think he was miscast last year in that role. He is a gadget play, kind of a poor man's LaVisca Chenault operator around the line of scrimmage type of wide receiver that I think he could see a significant uptick in volume. I am so happy that you said that. I'm all in on that. Yeah, I think it was completely miscast as well. I mean, they brought in Robbie Anderson for a reason. They brought in Robbie Anderson because Curtis Samuel is not a deep threat receiver. He's a gadget guy like you brought up. I mean, literally to a T, you hit it on the head. I don't think we need to talk any more about this. Mike Davis, so I'm willing to put in, you know, probably close to 12% of my fab. I probably like out of a hundred up hundred bucks. I'd probably put in 12, uh, nothing too much more than that. Just because I'm really concerned about that offensive line. And I'm concerned about his third down role. However, if you want a high upside play, Curtis Samuel, 100% could be that guy. And people are dropping him. People are dropping yeah. him because he's not performing. So yeah, yeah look for well, him under waivers, especially when, you know, people go to drop somebody else to pick somebody else up. Make sure you guys check out that post waiver wire, which we're going to be highlighting tomorrow on this show with mike all right on to my show sheet back to my show sheet i should say um daryl henderson man he proved that he could be a lead back after the rams knocked down after he knocked down 121 yards total between passing and receiving and i know that that malcolm brown's still there and he's still gonna be the guy he's the coach's pet right he's sean mcveigh's little bitch so i probably shouldn't say that because if you heard that he'd probably beat the hell out of me but um (laughs) He hurt his finger. They're still expecting Malcolm Brown to play. But Daryl Henderson's interesting because he has that big playability. That's why they drafted him, you know, so early. That's why they that's why they weren't going to give Cam Akers that big of an opportunity because they, they really like Darrell Henderson. So is there a chance he earns a starting job, you think? Like, what are we what are we looking at? So I like, I like Daryl Henderson a lot. Um, I think he's definitely a slasher kind of big burst play uh, gives them some versatility that Malcolm Brown doesn't. Cause uh, we saw a couple of big plays from Daryl Henderson this weekend. Um, yeah, we I did. don't think that the cam Akers injury is going to be a long-term injury, which could potentially muddy the waters in, in Los Angeles. So cam Akers has a rib injury. Um, it was along the cartilage of his rib. So that's the uh, part of the rib that articulates with the sternum. Um, it's a pretty, um, I wouldn't say not serious injury. It, what's going to, what it's going to come down to for cam Akers is pain management. Okay. So you can play with this injury. Just give him a um, shot. He'll be good. Give him a shot. Send yeah. him back out there. He'll be good. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that's why, um, you know, it wasn't like, um, the, the fracture of the actual bone of the rib and you worry about like splintering and any internal damage. It was, it was more along the cartilage. Yeah. So I think there's a chance cam Akers maybe misses one, maybe two weeks. I would be surprised if it was longer than that. I think this is a short-term injury for Cam Akers, which could potentially muddy the waters because then you'd have Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers. So I kind of got excited and I wanted to hype him up because I hear a bunch of hype, you know, going in his direction, but I was kind of just going to break him down anyways, even if you didn't, because he's got the Bills, he's got Washington, he's got the 49ers, he's got the Bears, he's got the Bucks. This schedule does not look good. I mean, that was just a few of the, the names. I didn't even look up his whole schedule. I just had to get those those five names and, and just roll with it after that. That's not good. Not good at all. Uh, I'm not loving this schedule. I'm not loving the role. Like you talked about, Cam Akers could come back. And yeah, it just doesn't look too appetizing. I'm not really drooling over Darrell Henderson. If you want to throw two bucks his way, cool. But you know, I'm not. I'm not going out there and spending a whole bunch of fab on him. I know that he has the upside, but when are you going to feel good using him? You know, you can't use him week in and week out. It's going to be very, very you know, sketch, sketch area. Now that's going to do it for the running backs. I want to hop over to the wide receivers, right? And 
Oh my God, one of my favorite DFS plays this past week went off. Isaiah Ford, baby. Isaiah Ford for the Miami Dolphins playing out of the slot was the perfect opportunity to play him this past week, and he, he crushed. So Isaiah Ford, is he an option for you? Is he a guy that you could actually you know invest in? Because, man, Byron Jones is hurt. They might have to pass even more than they already do. Like, what's going on? What's going on over there? Yeah, I, I think in deeper leagues he's an option. I um I don't I'm not I don't I haven't seen a lot of Isaiah Ford, truthfully. I haven't I haven't watched a lot. I know he's a he's a sneaky kind of stash guy in dynasty leagues and and in deeper leagues. I just I have a lot of questions about the just the passing volume in Miami. Um and they had some other guys that popped. Mike Gusecki had a big week this week. I think he's in in you know 14 team 16 team leagues he's a decent stash but i in some of my more standard leagues i don't know if he's my top priority yeah for for deep leagues he's definitely a play for not deep leagues i'm not really touching him like i said that was a dfs call so i have to look week to week and see which you know guys are are bad up against slot or which teams are, are brutal up against the slot in order to actually play him now a big question because he went off this week that we've been getting asked about is Braxton Berrios, who got an opportunity and put up 17.9 fantasy points in PPR. Now, obviously, Jameson Crowder was hurt, right? He was ruled out of the game. So Braxton, Braxton Berrios was pretty much the only receiver that, w- that was in there outside of, you know, Herndon who plays tight end, right? So, yeah, I mean, Braxton Berrios. Uh, it, what's going on with Jameson Crowder? Do you have any idea? Yeah, so especially with the the mishandling of Le'Veon Bell, I would be, I think there's a good chance that Jameson Crowder probably misses another week. You know how you saw how Adam Gase was upset that he put Le'Veon Bell and then he re Le'Veon Bell back in and then he re-aggravated his hamstring stuff. I'm reading is not super optimistic about Jameson Crowder. And I think if they're going to err on the side of caution, he probably misses another week. Uh, and then you got Brashad Perriman with an ankle injury. So if you're looking for somebody to maybe play in the short term, one more week. I think Braxton Berrios is an, is an interesting candidate just because like you said, he might be the only guy. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it and roll with it 100%. But let me go ahead and check the schedule. He's up against Indy. Um, Indy up against the slot has been decent, but I mean, it, it's not great. And then they, they saw an injury to Malik Hooker, who actually did help out in nickel situations to an extent. I think Braxton Berrios, you can actually pick him up and play him this week. But, you know, I'm not going to spend any waiver wire fab on him. I'm not. I'm going to wait till he falls after the waiver wire, see if he makes it past it. And that's where I'm going to go after Braxton Berrios as a plug and play if I'm desperate, by the way. Uh, Chase Claypool is another guy that's getting a lot of talk. He had a couple big plays. He's up against Houston this week, and Houston can prove to be pretty porous in that secondary. I kind of like Chase Claypool this week, but I'm not locked into that one. How are you feeling? Uh, similar to you. I, he, his numbers were inflated kind of by one big play. Yeah. And to his defense, I mean, that's what Chase Claypool does, right? Yep. I mean, he's, he's going to make those, those plays down the sideline. Um, who, who did you say they were playing again? Uh, they're playing Houston. So Houston. that secondary is lets up big plays all the time. I actually, yeah, if you're desperate, you're gonna, yeah, I think it's a yeah, good play. Yeah. You're going to have to hope for a shootout, I think just so he gets a, a, enough targets, but um, it's, it's not the worst play for sure. All right. We got two more wide receivers. We got Keelan Cole up first and Keelan Cole's actually been really consistent. I believe, yeah, he has like 33.5 fantasy points in, in PPR. Uh, he's melting faces. He's crushing the game and he's got Miami who, like we just talked about with Byron Jones, he might be missing, man. Keelan Cole could absolutely go off. Is uh, is this a safe space, Chase? Because I, I have some some Keelan Cole uh, uh, knowledge I want to drop on here. Let's so go. I'm, I'm gonna, Bring it. I'm going to pump myself up a little bit. Someone asked me on Twitter a long time ago. They said, who is one player in Dynasty that you're just stashing on your taxi squad ho- holding out hope for? And my answer was Keelan Cole. And here's the reason I, I'm a, I live in Jacksonville. Um, I've gone to when you were allowed to the Jacksonville practices and things like that. Two years ago when DJ Chark was there, when uh, Alan Lazard was there at practice, the one guy that stood out to me was Keelan Cole. I was like, who the heck is this 84 guy? He is running at a different notch than all these other guys. He really stood out to me. I was like, I, I saw that and I go, this is somebody I want to keep my eye on. And I think with some opportunity now, you're starting to see him mesh. The Jags are having to throw the ball a lot because their defense isn't as good as it's been in years past. 
I, uh, I'm a sneaky, I'm a, I'm a, I was a closet Keelan Cole guy. I'm coming out of closet now. I love Keelan Cole. That's my dude. I, I really like this play. I had Keelan Cole rostered actually in a lot of different leagues over the past year. And then after his injury happened, after they drafted a whole bunch of wide receivers, I got off him and I dropped him. And now I kind of regret it because I kind of want him and I definitely want to play him this week. Oh man, I love Keelan Cole, but I also want Colin Johnson to be a thing so bad. I want Colin Johnson to be a thing so bad. That's fair. That's fair. I think of all the guys we've talked about thus far, Keelan Cole has got my heart beating a little bit. That's the guy I'm most excited about. Now, the reason that I'm pulling this one up is because this was actually the second and last receiver I was going to bring up. So if you guys have starter sit questions, stay tuned. I will answer them uh, toward, or I guess, you know, who should I play or who should I waiver? I'll answer them at the very, very end of the episode, but I just want to make sure we stick to the show sheet. So of course uh, we can, we can get him out of here. So um, KJ Hamler actually had just as many targets and actually had more opportunities because he did have a run as well uh, over Jerry Judy. He also outsnapped him. Now, Jerry Judy did go out of the game for a few plays with a rib injury, but it wasn't, I don't think it was a, a massive amount of time. And, and it was pretty big disparity between the snap percentages for the starting receiver. Now, now the Cortland Sutton is gone, right? Now that Cortland Sutton's out and he was primarily their big target guy, right? Like Cortland Sutton was the guy that was getting the targets down the field. And, and KJ Hamler could kind of see the same sort of thing. Uh, with Driscoll, Driscoll throws a pretty good deep ball overall. I mean, he's not the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. We didn't even put him in the top 10, but he's, he's got a reasonable deep ball. So would you rather pick up Keelan Cole or KJ Hamler? That's a tough one. That's a tough one for sure. I think um, you pointed out he's a big play guy, KJ Hamler. So there's that upside. Um, <clears throat> I... I might catch some flack with it for this. I, I'm I'm going to lean Keelan Cole. I, I've seen enough of Keelan Cole that I kind of know what he is, and it, it intrigues me. I haven't seen a whole lot of KJ Hamler yet in this offense, and that doesn't mean he can't be great. He could be really good. Um, I guess it kind of depends on what you're looking for, but I'm going to lean Keelan Cole. Mm, that that's tough for me. I, I I'm going to actually go the yeah. I, you can disagree. Dude, I'll disagree up to Like, these guys are so close to me. Like, they're probably yeah. back-to-back in my rankings. It's that tough. I mean, we have Keelan Cole up against Miami, right? And then we have, let's see. Oh, I just saw him. K.J. Hamler. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? K.J. Hamler is up against Tampa Bay. Who, I mean, they're not great up against the pass, but they should be better. I, I feel like K.J. Hamler, they're going to find ways to get him involved in the offense because this offense is going to need that, that explosive you know, aspect. You know, it, it's not like if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm not feeling too great right now. You know, my, my quarterback just went out and, and my wide receiver went out. But, but Driscoll's not a bad, I guess, backup option or secondary option for that. I'm going to lean K.J. Hamler, but it's by a hair. I would personally just go with what you feel more comfortable doing. So it's that close for me, but I think I'm going to lean KJ Hamler now. Oh, you have second priority. He actually said that he has second priority on the waiver wire too. So would you waste the second priority on one of these guys? So that changes things. I would not. I, and I don't know your league format. I don't know um, how many teams are in there right now. That second priority, if you've held on to it at this point, I would stash that for like a, a running back, you know, a handcuff running back where someone gets hurt and like this guy is going to be the guy and there's a lot more opportunity. These are more dart throw wide receivers and wide receivers so deep. I don't know that I would necessarily burn my second waiver priority on either. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, not unless like you have a ton of injuries and you absolutely need to get a wide receiver in there. You know, like if you don't have yeah. anybody that you can play whatsoever in week two, I wouldn't waste it. Typically, priorities don't always work this way, but sometimes priorities, if you guys aren't aware, a lot of people play fab. Uh, priorities are based off of, you know, who picks up the most recent player. And once you place a waiver wire pickup, then all of a sudden you go to the back of the line pretty much. And you have to restart and work your way back up to the top of the waivers. So if we have, you know, somebody like Zeke goes down and Tony Pollard comes in, you know, Tony Pollard's a really good running back. And I would much rather have Tony Pollard over, you know, Keelan Cole. So uh, that's the exact scenario I was like thinking of. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to hold off. He says he has Michael Thomas and CMC injured. I'm, how'd you get both of those guys? Uh, I'm going to hold off on, on getting, um, on, on using my waiver wire on Keelan Cole or KJ Hamler. I'd see which one actually made it past waivers. I think you have plenty of options this week, plenty of options yeah. to not go out and waste a bunch of money and, and your league mates are actually going to go out and blow it. So on to the tight ends, there is one guy 
that I'm going to save for the end that is absolutely the answer of where I'm putting the majority of my fab this week. I'm putting almost all my fab, almost all my fab on one dude. But before I mention his name, I do want to talk about Mo Ali Cox, baby. Mo <laughs> Ali Cox might actually be a thing. This guy is an absolute animal, man. He looks so much bigger than everybody else around him on the field. It's insane. It's insane. And he was dominating last week at all levels. I love Mo Ali Cox. Uh, were there injuries that injuries that I missed on to uh, to Jack Doyle? Was he out? Yeah, I I, I must have missed that one too because I know Doyle didn't play, but um. I'll look that up when you talk about Mo Ali Cox and, and your love for him. Dude, I mean, his ability to, to dominate at all levels is going to be an absolute asset to this entire season if he's going to be the guy. And we've been waiting for him to explode, you know, since, what, last year, middle of last year, when there were multiple injuries. I think that, what was it, Eric Ebron went out, and we thought the Mo Ali Cox would, would get an opportunity. And he did, but they used him as a blocker. They didn't use him as a receiver. And it was so, so confusing. Because this guy's 6'4", 202 pounds, and, and he can like absolutely dominate the safeties and the cornerbacks that are going to try and cover him on the outside. I mean, he has excellent burst score. His catch radius is insane. And, and he, his arm length is at almost 36 inches, which is nuts. Like, he can literally, like his wingspan is huge, absolutely ginormous. I love, I love Moali Cox. And the best, better part is he actually went to VCU, which is kind of right down the street for me. So I got to watch him play a little bit in college, too. I uh, I love Moali Cox. I like it. I like it. Yeah, if you got fantasy points for hand size, Moali Cox would be your first round pick for sure. <laughs> yeah, hand size too. I mean, he's a monster. So, did you find anything on the injuries? Yeah, Jack Doyle's dealing with an ankle sprain. They're they're not super specific about it. I mean, this has kind of been the story of Jack Doyle yeah. a little bit with minor injuries. With some minor of these injury. injuries. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't hate the the Moali Cox thing. It, it's always tough for those you know, converted college basketball players to tight ends. I don't think we always see that success story, but Moelle Cox has had some time now, you know, we've been talking about him for, for a couple of years. Um, I think it's possible. He's kind of finding his groove. And it takes time for some tight ends. I mean, we watched Darren Waller, yeah. you know, take a while to break out as well, especially as a pass catching, you know, tight end. Although Darren Waller was wide receiver in college, whole different, you know, trajectory. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like Moelle Cox, but I'm not, he's not my number one tight end of the week. My number one Who tight is? end. My number one tight end of the week is Drew motherfucking Sample, baby. Drew Sample oh. is going to be the guy that I am targeting all over the place. If you watch that game, I don't think that I don't think that Drew Locke. I mean, I'm sorry, Joe Burrow ever took his eyes off of Drew Sample. It was like the apple in his eye. Like they they just literally made just made eye contact across the field the whole entire time. It's actually really intimate and kind of steamy, but you know it, it happens and people just fall in love sometimes. You know, it happens when when one guy that, that, you know, might fancy guys meets another guy and they make eye contact and they don't release that eye contact. Wonderful things happen. Wonderful things happen. And it could be a beautiful, beautiful story for both Drew Sample, who's in his second year, I believe, and Joe Burrow, who's a rookie. This could blossom into a great, great relationship and they could they could fall in love forever and, you know, go to bed together every night and, you know, wake up in the morning just still staring in each other's eyes. And I think that this is an absolute lock, an absolute lock for a waiver wire priority for fab bucks. I don't care what it is. I'm in the Scott Fishbowl. I need a tight end. And I, I'm, I hate myself right now because I'm sure somebody's probably listening that's in my league and now they're going to go out and try and beat me on the fab. But Good luck because I'm putting a lot of fab out there on them. Good luck. Uh, I like it. And, and if you missed it, CJ Ozuma uh, tore his Achilles. So he's, he's out for the, for the rest of the year. He's out. And I liked um, Azuma. I had Azuma in the Scott Fishbowl. I like yeah, him. He was, a, he was a sneaky play. I, you know, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I know there's talk and there's proof that, you know, rookie quarterbacks like that tight end position yeah. as like a, a, a safety net for him. So uh, I like Always. the Drew, uh, Drew Sample pick. No, it, it's huge, man. It, it is really huge. Drew Sample is going to go off. And if we take CJ Uzama's numbers and combine them with Drew Sample's numbers, which I know it kind of isn't fair, but if we do combine them, right, yeah. that would actually be the tight end five, the tight end five uh, so far in the fantasy season. So nice. Dude, I'm, I'm closing out on that. We're going out on that. Love it. 
Uh, I am going to hang out and answer y'all starter sick questions here in a minute or waiver wire questions here in a minute, but I do want to close out this episode because I am recording it. Get Adam out of here if he wants to get out of here. But yeah, guys, if y'all want to follow the real Adam underscore H, that is his Twitter handle. You want to let him know where else to find you? Yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the real Adam underscore H. Uh, I'll be tweeting about injuries all season long. Um, and you can find any of my injury content along with other fantasy football content at theundroppables.com, who I provide uh, all my in- injury analysis for. That's awesome, man. I'm stoked. I'm stoked you came on. I didn't know if you'd actually do it or not. I asked him last minute. I was like, dude, there's too many injuries. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm going to say something stupid. I'm going to get somebody wrong. I need you in there to save me. And he agreed to come in and do it. If you guys want to hey, find... Anytime. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. If you guys want to find any of my content, it's available on linktree slash fantasy intervention that's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash fantasy intervention it is scrolling on the bottom of my page once again it's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash fantasy intervention you guys can find all my articles that i write for dynasty happy hour all my articles that i write for for dynasty nerds all of my dfs content for the pregame hq.com and of course you can find all my podcast episodes for fantasy intervention along with patreon patreon.com slash fantasy intervention where I actually post three three of my own personal lineups. I post on there and give you reasoning behind why I'm posting them for each slate. So you get three lineups on Thursday, you get three lineups on Sunday, and you get three lineups on Monday as well. And last night, last night, before the final drive, well, actually, before the final three drives, I should say, I was actually up a thousand bucks. And then that kind of fell apart over the final three drives. But going into the final drive, there was, what, three plays that Drew Brees had before the clock ran out. Oh. I was up 300 bucks, and it dwindled down to 50 because of Drew Brees. So thanks a lot, Brees. Thanks a lot, man. Anyways, guys, I appreciate you all for joining. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life. We're out. Hey, my mom dope. My niggas is dope. Switch up a stove. Pick up a stove. They feeling away. They know I'm the goat. That's how you bang a podcast.